We're going to begin uh, with a reading from Romans, uh, predominantly chapter 5. So if you'd, if you'd like to turn, uh, I'll, I'll read for us. We're going to begin at Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 and read through Romans chapter 5. And this is going to be uh, part of the theme of Jack's talk this morning. So Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. Uh, Speaking of Jesus, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more 
so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's sing together from the Green Book, number 200, in praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in recognition of ourselves too, and our lives without him. Christ, whose glory fills the skies. Christ, the true, the only light. Son of righteousness, arise. Triumph o'er the shades of night. And then we read in verse 3. This is our prayer. Visit then this soul of mine. Pierce the gloom of sin and grief. Fill me, radiancy divine. Scatter all my unbelief. More and more thyself display, shining to the perfect day. Almighty God, we come together this morning and we come in, in praise of you. Lord, you are... Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of each one of us. Lord, you are our Father. You look after our every needs. You lift us when we fall and bring us close to yourself. And Lord, you are our Saviour. You forgive our sins. Lord, you are the giver of gifts, and we thank you and praise you now for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we meet now as your family, as your children, as heirs with him. And Lord, we pray that you will be close to us this morning, that you will fill us with your radiancy, that you will bring us close to you. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Charles has the announcements for us this morning. Morning everyone, it's very good to see you. And it's very good to welcome um, Philip and Sheila Sykes from Scarborough, and Phoebe and Emma. Rosie and her sister Hazel had a very stressful week since their mother's death last Sunday. Rosie is coming home today, um, but for various reasons, the funeral won't be towards until the, the won't be until towards the end of February. Christine's, Christine Walker's father died this week, and Christine will be travelling to Jamaica soon. Um, so please keep them in your prayers, and there will be a card at the back uh, after the service, I think. And Easter is uh, not feeling up to coming out with the very cold weather. And so please um, think about Ethan and keep him in your prayers too. Thanks, Andy. Dear Lord, you bless us in so many ways. You give us food and warmth. And you give us opportunities to meet together. And Lord, we, we just spend a few moments now remembering those who are struggling at the moment remembering those who are not here with us. And Lord, we pray that you will support them, that you will give them comfort and rest and peace. Lord, you know their every need. But Lord, we pray too that you will motivate us, that you will show us where we can support, where we can 
make time to meet with them and to share in your fellowship with them. Lord, help us to do this. Help us to be your hands and feet, your voice and your loving arms to those in need at this time. Amen. We're going to sing together from, praise the Lord, number 87, to, to think more on, on the, the prayers that we have just shared together for those in need, but also as a, um, a reflection on the reading which we're going to take uh, after this hymn, which is from Psalm 51, which is going to form uh, part of Jack's exhortation. So let's sing together. Praise the Lord 87. O Lord, hear my prayer. So we're going to read from Psalm 51. Um, and Vicky's going to read this. She's going to read it from um, a version that we heard a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Jack's requested she read it from the Street Bible. Um, it's quite a different interpretation. If you know the psalm well, um, I suggest you just listen. If you're not too familiar with Psalm 51, it might be useful to have it in front of you and just be able to see um, a more standard reading of it. So, um, Vicky's going to read Psalm 51. Thank you. Mercy me, Lord. Mercy me. In line with your limitless love, in line with your passion for me, wipe out my mess, wash off my filth, clean up my life. Mercy me, oh, mercy me. I know what I've done, I replay it time and again. It's you I've offended. It's them, but it's you all the same. I've done evil right in front of you. When you judge me, you're right. When you sentence, it's true. Been a mess all my life, been an instinct since birth. But you demand integrity. You're into values and worth. <coughs> Teach me to accept your correction. Your standards are total. Your model, perfection. Mercy me, God, mercy me, in line with your limitless love, in line with your passion for me, wipe out my mess, wash off my filth, clean up my life, mercy me, oh mercy me. Use those disinfecting leaves and I'll get clean, wash me whiter than a winter snow scene. I want to learn about laughter again. Block your eyes from my guilt, black out my blame. But my heart needs a transplant, a fresh, clean heart never used before today, a gleaming, pure heart, and a boost of resolve to keep it that way. Don't banish me. I need to be right next to you. Don't punish me. Don't take away your spirit to give me back the buzz at being yours. Then I'll take them all around on tours. I'll say, stick everything else on pause. Put everything you've got behind this cause. Protect me from the guilt of murder, liberating God. And if you let my tongue go, my mouth won't stop. I'll sing to you at the top of my voice. With all you've done for me, is there any other choice? 
You're not into sacrifice. I'd give up everything I could, but it would get up your nose, make you weep it would. The offering you want is me flat on my face, a smashed up heart and a vulnerable soul, much more to your taste. Mercy me, God, mercy me, in line with your limitless love, in line with your passion for me. Wipe out my mess, wash off my filth, clean up my life. Mercy me, oh mercy me. Do my people good, despite all I've done. Protect their protective walls from every enemy gun. Then we'll sacrifice to you, and you'll love it. We'll give it up for you. The world will rise above it. Thanks, Jack. don't really need to say any more, do I, after that? I, uh, I read that um, psalm um, in Birmingham about a year ago. And uh, I read it at a, at a youth weekend. And it was really quite remarkable, the reaction and the, and the response to it. And again, I had the feeling that, you know, anything that's I said extra to that uh, was almost getting in the way. And we've got two readings before us today, where we started in Romans 5, with all the grandeur of that language and all the wonder of what Paul gets into in that chapter, and the stark simplicity of Psalm 51. Both of them have great weight great power and both of them dig very very deep into our consciousness into our hearts and we're all there in both those readings Psalm 51 is a painful reading it's a hard thing to come to terms with and we might think we might think well we never murdered anybody and we may have not slept with anybody outside our marriage, um, which is what David did, and that was why he wrote that psalm. But if you take the absolute values of the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, as I say, we're all in there. There isn't one of us that hasn't looked at a man or a woman in a less than honourable way at some stage in our lives because we're all human and that's the way we are so we're all in there somewhere but I wonder if we're all in there completely I wonder if in our darkest moments we can reach out as David did in that psalm and I'd like you to look whichever Bible you've got at the moment at Psalm 51 and just have a look as I say I don't want to get in the, w in the way of these words at all because they will be very personal to every one of us and each one of us will have our own thoughts but, as I've said, we're all in there in the gritty bits I wonder if we're there too in the words of verse 1 Be gracious to me, O God according to your loving kindness according to the greatness of your compassion blot out my, my, my transgressions I wonder if we're in there 
I wonder if we are as readily on our knees. I wonder if we are as conscious as we should be of the times that we move away from the course of life which we accepted when we accepted the Lord. I wonder if that is the case with each one of us. I wonder if when we get into verse 14 where David sings just as a side I mean which of us which of us would bear his soul like this? Which of us would take the worst moments of our life and write a song about it and have it published and stick it in the charts? I wonder which one of us, not me, I wouldn't, that is for sure. But this is what David's done and I wonder what, I wonder sometimes how on earth this psalm ever got into the Bible. I mean, what place has it? Except, except for this, and that is to take us into our worst moments, which he does in this psalm, and to lift us to the heights that we could achieve. And I think that's why it's there. And so when we get into verse 14, Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation. When that standard, when that level is achieved, David is absolutely sure and the words coming across from, from the street bible were so powerful when Vicky read this um, my, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness O Lord open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise is that our response? is that our response when we feel that close to God and have that response? I'm not going to get in the way of Psalm 51 anymore. Whatever thoughts you had when you listened to Vicky's reading or read it from your own Bibles, whatever you were thinking at that time, I'd like you to take those thoughts into Romans chapter 5. And this is a wonderful chapter. And I'm, I'm so glad that... Um, Andrew did it, used it in the way that he did to open the service this morning. I thought it was a powerful opening and a, um, a very powerful place to start our morning's worship. Um, the letter to the Romans has been described as the most profound writing on earth. And when you read the letter completely, you can believe it. It is so hard. I've spoken to two people this week and last week who've, who are exhorting today in other parts of the country. And both of them have chickened out from this book. It is not a book, one of them said, not a book to be trifled with. And I, I understand that. It is a very difficult book to, um, to get to grips with. And so again, I'm not going to interfere with what Paul said, but I'd, I'd like to just point out to you, although one writer, one commentator said that it is the most profound book ever written, ever, the, the most profound piece of literature ever coming, come, to come into the English language. That's a powerful statement to make, isn't it, really? But another famous person, Hercule Poirot, 
when he masqueraded as uh, David Suchet, um, actually said that chapter 5 can only be described as life-transforming. Life-transforming. It's a chapter that he read every day for a year. Every single day for a year. I haven't read it that often. Or anything like it. But he did. And at the end of that year, he was confirmed in his view that this chapter is life-transforming. I'm not going to go through that chapter this morning. I'm not going to do it. Because I think I'd get in the way of what Paul is saying. During the last month, I've been reading um, a commentary which Andrew's dad lent to me. It was um, a commentary that he was given as a Sunday school prize when he was 15. And I got into this, into this commentary and read it and saw how the words were taken apart and put together again and all the meanings were brought out. And I thought, this is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. We shouldn't be doing this. And I came to the conclusion that what Paul wants to say, he says. And he says it very, very clearly. And leaves us in no doubt at all that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And the challenge is there for us to understand it and to accept it. And to live as though we believe it. Knowing that we believe it. That's what it's there for. But, and there's always a but in these things, isn't there? Um, there are two words, just two words which I want you to focus on. And they're two words which are repeated together four times in the chapter. That is the only thing that I want to draw out of this commentary. Two words. And he hardly comments on this at all. But I think they are two key words. Two wonderful moments um, that, um, that, that are in this chapter. So Romans 5. Um, yeah, Romans chapter 5. Starts off with a statement. And this statement, I think, leads us into the rest of the chapter. And everything that's in this chapter feeds back to this statement at the beginning. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I first started work, which is back in the dark ages, um, my first job because I'd got very young eyes and very good eyes, um, I had to joint electric cable. I had to joint it with silver. And that silver was very, very precious and very expensive. So you didn't just tip it in. You had to do it very carefully. I, I, it's funny, isn't it, the way things stick in your mind? In each cable there were 14 wires that I had to join. And each wire, and this is an old money, I can't, I can't convert it, was 0 0.0076 of an inch in diameter. Now those of you who are over 25 will know exactly what that means. Sam, it's thin. It's a very, very fine wire, this. 
and I had to join this with silver. And the term that was used about joining this wire together was justification. You justified it. And there's all sorts of analogies that run, run through this. You join the two wires together. There's no sense in the word justification in this sense. There's no sense of one being greater than the other. There's no sense of proving myself to be right. There's nothing like that at all. It's two wires coming together and being joined so that the power can go through. Without the justification, the power cannot move. Isn't that incredible? From a 14 bits of a piece of wire in, um, in 1947, that was when it was. The first job I ever did was to weld these wires. And a silversmith, an industrial silversmith, not a jeweller, um, showed me how to do it. It took him a day and a half before I actually got one right. But I didn't practice with silver. They didn't let me do that. But I joined the wires. And the case, I still remember it, it was 140076, 14 wires, point 0076 of a diameter, uh, of an inch in diameter. And whenever I think and see this word in, in the Roman letter, justification, that's the thought that comes back to me. No sense of me being right and everybody else wrong, justifying myself, nothing like that. Two bits coming together so that the power can go through. And that's, that's a very powerful thing. And then Paul talks about having peace with God. I've, I've been thinking about this for weeks. Peace with God. And it's almost an abstract term. It's almost, un well it is, it is an unreal expression. How can we possibly know? Peace is a two-way street. It isn't one way. How can we have peace with the creator of the universe? How can we? Well, I think it's an ambition. I think it's something that we will know when the Lord returns. I think that is one of the great blessings that we will know, that we will be at peace with our maker. But, in this life, there is a start. And I would suggest to you that we can't have peace with God and never will have peace with God unless we're at peace with ourselves. And I think that's where it starts. To be actually at peace with ourselves in our faith particularly. That's what he's talking about here. And with, with each other. I don't think we can ever reach out towards the ideal of peace with God unless those two things are met. Back to the two words. Right. Verses 8 and 9. See if you can spot these two words. And these, these little things all link back to this statement in verse 1. God demonstrates his own love toward us that in that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. 
They're fantastic words. They're fantastic, amazing ideas that are kept contained in those two verses. And it's almost as though Paul is saying here, God demonstrates his own love toward us, that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's not all he did. That wasn't enough. He just poured it on, much more then, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Think of what I've said about justification. Those two wires coming together that the power can go through. Electricity in my case. But the power of God can go through. And that without that justification, it can't. This is not a sterile doctrine, my brothers and sisters. This is a power, it's a powerful statement from Paul that's coming from God himself. And as I say, each of you will have your own thoughts about that. And I don't want to get in the way of them. But much more comes again in, in this chapter as well. And it is in verse 15 of this chapter. So just have a look at this. And there's another much more moment in this. The free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. I don't want to add a syllable to that. Paul says it. Paul says it clearly and unmistakably. Just let the words go into your very hearts, into your very beings. We can't walk away from words like this. We couldn't. They should absorb us. They should, they should really overtake us. And I, when I was looking at this um, during the last couple of weeks, I just got the feeling that the words were tumbling out of Paul, that he just, he just couldn't contain himself. He just had to tell us. And I think I've got to tell you. The free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And you're one of that many. So be thankful for that. So, we move down to... Ooh, Verse 17. Another much more moment. If by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. What a staggering concept. What a mind this man had to take these thoughts from the Lord himself and to put them into words that we can understand. We might struggle with them and I suppose in a way it's right that we do. But we reach out and try and get hold 
of what he's saying here. And as I say, I don't know. I don't want to interfere with the communication between these words and each one of you. Because I think it's almost an impertinence for me to add what I think. And what I think isn't important. What you think of what Paul is saying to you is the all-important thing. How much it matters actually to you as we prepare to take the bread and wine. That's the only thing that matters this morning. Not what I think, not what anybody else thinks, but what you think. What you take on board from these words, that's where it is. And then we come to, really I suppose, um, to put verse 16 and 17 together, remembering that we've got that little much more moment in verse 17. I think what he says here is just truly remarkable. Go on, Gladys. You okay, love? You all right? So we'll just take those two verses, 16 and 17. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. It's not like that at all. For on the one hand, judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those, sorry, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in Christ and reign in life. And I wondered about this verse and spent a lot of time thinking about it. And as I say, I think any thoughts of mine are almost an impertinence uh, to what Paul is saying here. But the richness of the language in that verse, in those two verses, should leave us absolutely spellbound. They should. They are staggering concepts that he brings across in those verses. And so, verse 20. The law came in so that transgression would increase. Now that's a nice thing, isn't it? Isn't that nice? The law came in so that sin would increase. That's not a very happy thought. It's not something that we're comfortable with at all. I'm not. They get behind the words. And I think what Paul is saying here, he's, the law came in so that we would be aware of what we do wrong. There would be an increasing awareness of the distance that we can move away from God. Without that law, there'd be no yardstick. There'd be nothing to measure against. Now that might be obvious to you lot, but it wasn't obvious to me. And so, you know, it's, it's worth just pointing that out. But, there is another much more moment in this verse as well. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded much more. Where sin increased, 
And I know he goes on in, in chapter 6 and start, starts talking about um, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, but he says here um, that where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And we're here because of that this morning. We're here to remember the Lord Jesus in bread and wine because we are aware of where we fail, the things that we, that, that we say and we do and we think, the things that take us back into Psalm 51 and into the deepest, darkest moments. We're there because of that. But let's also be here because we can enter into those other ideas of, um, of David in that psalm and echo those words, forgive me. Forgive me and be with me. And that is all I have to say to you this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. So as we come now to share bread and wine together, let's remember God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ, as we've read from verse 17. Andrew will lead our thanks for the bread. Lord God, our Father in heaven, it's good that we can meet like this together as a family to take bread and wine and just think, why are we doing this? Why are we here? Particularly as we think now about this bread, Father. As we remember, help us to really try and get hold in some way of the love and the grace that pours from you and from your Son Jesus to us at this time. It's not a time where we lament over some terrible thing. It's a time where we can be provoked into looking again at our lives and to be joyful, Lord. Father, we pray that we've been reading from Paul's writings that we might be strengthened by our remembrance this morning to persevere and that perseverance might increase our faith Father our faith in these great things that you shower down on us and through that faith our hope might shine in our lives Father sometimes we feel hopeless Help us again to think on these things and be given that hope that shines and not only influences our lives but can be seen by others. The hope that is in Jesus. And we think of that now and we thank you for this time. God, as we pray, in Jesus' name, Amen. <coughs> Lord God, we come to take wine. 
we come to share this cup of wine that speaks to us of forgiveness of a fresh start again that speaks to us of your ongoing love and grace in offering something that we don't deserve but something that you consider us worthy of Lord we bring nothing of ourselves other than our willingness to be part of your family and in return you give us everything of yourself thank you for Jesus thank you for this wine and thank you for the refreshment and the newness of life that it speaks to us of bless us Lord as we share this cup bless us as we are part of the experience whether we participate or not speak to us in whatever place we find ourselves and we ask this Lord in the name of your son Jesus We're going to conclude our service shortly, but I just wanted to finish by reading a short section from Romans 6, which is also part of our readings for the day. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. Picking up from where we left off. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. We'll finish our service by singing together all my days. Oh, which was all there earlier on. There we go. All my days. All being the operative word. Um, It was working before. I've chosen this because I think it, it expresses in some way some of the thoughts that we've had this morning. All my days I will sing this song of gladness, give my praise to the fountain of delights. For in my helplessness you heard my cry and waves of mercy pour down on my life. Almighty Lord, our Father in heaven, you who art the Father and the God of light, radiance and truth, we thank you for this morning, for this Rehoboth moment. There was a time when Isaac dug wells amongst those of the world and they quarreled over them and he left. And he went to a quiet place he dug another well from which he drunk and with whom he quarreled with no one he found peace and he called the place Rehoboth because he said the Lord has made room for us and we will flourish and so in the place of peace and quietness away from the clutter and the anger and the ugliness of the world you made room for him and we thank you this morning Lord that you have made room for us and because we drink of your word we will flourish and we pray that having been washed by the word of excitation and the remembrance of the emblems we will go from this place and you will help us to flourish even though we carry across our path burdens of guilt and of shame and of evil at times but we know that because you have loved us and given Jesus for us we have forgiveness and we know that you will make room for us in your mercy and in this time upon earth and in the place of your eternal kingdom wherever you find it to be established we pray will remember us therefore all of our days continue to be with us help us to continue to be with you and to live in the room that you have found for us and at all times be willing to learn and be washed to confess our sins and endeavour with the strength you have given us to walk along the true path of life which Jesus has established for us. We thank you for everything. Please go with us now and be with us always. 
and accept our thanks for all your kindness. In the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.